right, Bitcoin Accumulation Country, it's that time of the week. It's the Fun with Bitcoin podcast. I'm your host, Coin Icarus, and this is season three, and this is episode 34. Thank you, everyone, for joining me again on the Fun with Bitcoin podcast. We are above 12k at this point but who knows by the time this gets released we we might even be you know above 15. Um, we've got a really great episode i've got corey clipston ceo of swan bitcoin back on again um i've interviewed him once before and we did the uh, you know the rabbit hole story thing but in this particular interview we just talk about you know bitcoin culture and i just pick corey's brain about everything and anything and we talk about some of the new things that are coming to swan and it was a really great overall chat that I'm super excited to, uh, you know, to have you guys listen to. So before we get into that, though, we are going to talk about dollar cost averaging and Swan Bitcoin. For anybody who is interested in dollar cost averaging and who wants to be purchasing Bitcoin but doesn't want to be spending their time constantly watching the charts and listening to traders that they really have no idea whether these people are credible or not. And you kind of just want to put this in kind of in a passive sleep mode where you're simply just accumulating and hodling, being able to transfer that Bitcoin out to your own private address. So if you're interested in doing that and that falls in, in your wheelhouse, then you are looking for Swan Bitcoin. With Swan Bitcoin, the three main takeaways are we've we can do automatic withdrawal from a bank account, automatic purchases of BTC. You can time them based on your uh, when you receive your check. You know, you can do it, uh, you know, let's say once um, you can do it once a month um, or you can do it per pay period as well. Um, there's lots of options for you to be able to customize how you purchase and you could automatically withdraw to your uh, your chosen address. So if you're interested in a Bitcoin only platform, um, that is doing the uh, the great work of helping onboard people, then you definitely want to check out Swan Bitcoin. I'm going to have the, uh, the link to their website in the show notes. All right, sit back. It's time to chill and check out my awesome chat with Corey Clipston. Here we go. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for joining me on the Fun with Bitcoin podcast. I've got with me Corey Clipston from Swan Bitcoin, who is sponsor of the Fun with Bitcoin podcast, and they are a Bitcoin-only dollar-cost averaging company, which, of course, you know, you've heard me say many times before, but this episode isn't going to be really about, you know, diving down the, uh, you know, Corey's, you know, rabbit hole journey. This is much more just about, you know, shooting the shit about the day-to-day -day and the Bitcoin happenings and, you know, just really getting into Bit uh, Corey's deep thoughts. So, Corey, man, thank you very much for joining me. <laughs> Well, it's it's awesome to be back. I've uh, only done a second appearance on a couple of shows, I think. And, uh, you know, so if anybody wants the rabbit hole journey story, I think we did that last time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm excited just to catch up with you, man. Obviously, we chat uh, on Twitter and, and Telegram groups and things like that. But um, I was really looking forward to this. As I saw it on my calendar today, I was like, Man, right in the smack in the middle of my day, I'm going to get to take a lunch break and just uh, and hang with Phil. This is going to be great. Cool. Thank you so much. And we get to talk about our favorite thing, right? Bitcoin. I love Bitcoin. Right? Dude, I fucking love Bitcoin. It's so awesome. I love your shirt, actually. <laughs> I like that. That's... Oh, I, I can't see you because your it's... camera's not on, oh. which is super Oh, my creepy. God. I'm so sorry. There you go. Yeah. All right. 
so I know we're sorry. doing an audio podcast, but yes, it's it's I, good. I'm so sorry. So, yes. I saw the light so on. So let's let's describe this <laughs> shirt yes. that I have on here. Um, okay. I had I, I'm a huge Seattle SuperSonics fan, having grown up in Seattle, and obviously the team jetted for Oklahoma City in like 2008. So I have this whole like you know nostalgia, you know things you lost in the fire kind of thing going with uh, with the Sonics. And uh, yeah, I was I was actually recording a a show with my brother, and I had deliberately left a Sonics jersey on the chair behind me so he would see it. And then we were just talking about it, and I was like, God damn it! Like Seattle SuperSonics is so close to if you put Satoshi no Satoshi Nakamoto below the old like 1980s Sonics logo. And so then uh, at uh, uh, RD BTC from Twitter uh, just designed up a little graphic for me and I got it printed on Zazzle. I love it. I love it. So yeah. you, you guys going to sell those shirts? It's for sale right now. Yeah. You oh, can okay, go to cool. Zazzle.com and just look up Swan Bitcoin. And, um, you know, there's tons of, I mean, I got my Swan Force mug here. Nice. Yeah. We're, we're all getting fitted. I think Brecky's been wearing uh, Swan trucker hats for the last few weeks. Nice. Um, yeah. But uh, we, we took a weird approach with merch. We actually, uh, we, don't take any profit on it so we just sell it at cost whatever whatever it costs on zazzle well that's man that's really cool of you so and bitcoiners appreciate it because we're always looking for a deal you know so yeah <laughs> so that's pretty awesome so i mean okay you know what since we're talking about the shirt why don't we uh why don't we dive right into you know because just before the show you were talking about like bitcoin marketing and that's something i think is a bit of like a, a touchy topic right like the the Bitcoin marketing, because it's there's, you know, depending on who you're talking to, some people see it kind of, you know, like Bitcoin needs marketing and, you know, that's the big problem. Other people think, no, you know, you just, you know, you just keep using it and the word gets out there. And, you know, what are your I mean, what are your thoughts? You you run Swan and th there's a yeah. lot going on and you have to do a lot, you know, a lot of marketing. So, yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's probably just semantics. To be honest, like even the people that are dogmatically opposed to the idea that, you know, Bitcoin has or needs or whatever marketing at the end of the day, it does have it. And that's just because people talk about it a lot. And, you know, word of mouth is perhaps the best form of marketing there is. That's when people pay attention more than anything else. It ain't a billboard. It's not a display ad on on a website when somebody tells you about something that's the best form of marketing and that's when things really go viral and that's when you know you've done your job as a product marketing as a product marketer or you know when you know a product is uh, really has legs and is going to spread it's when people want to talk about it so bitcoin definitely has that i mean we are zealots yeah. oh yes Every crusaders for a bright orange future and we love um, to talk about it we do. So, you know, I think anybody that has a podcast or anybody that's even writing messages in Telegram, even if their Telegram message is, you know, Bitcoin doesn't need marketing. Well, you're kind of endorsing Bitcoin as being so awesome. And you're telling people that Bitcoin is so awesome that it doesn't mean marketing. And that's a form of marketing. So, again, I think it's just kind of semantics. I think um, I want to say it was Mr. Hoddle, I think, actually had the right distinction, which is that um, what you don't want and what what puts Bitcoin and Bitcoiners in a bad light is if somebody's doing false advertising around Bitcoin. And so what you don't want is, you know, James Altucher type display ads, you know, Bitcoin's going to a million next week or, you know, you don't you don't want the shady things around it. You want to just 
and we we know we may know because we're in our little echo chamber bubble and we know it's all about is as odell says you know stay humble stack sats um but there are a lot of people out there still pitching like get rich quick with bitcoin and that's what you do have to look out for i think that's when people bridle against bitcoin marketing they're actually uh trying to be anti you know false or irresponsible advertising essentially yeah, it's very interesting that you bring up uh, James Altucher because uh, you know before I got into Bitcoin, of course, you know he's one of those he's one of those newsletters I would check out, and and don't get me wrong, you know he had some pretty interesting points uh, about stocks uh, way back in the day. Not necessarily correct, but you know he was good at the teaser pitches. Um, but I remember in the 2017 hype, I started seeing him pitch shit coins, and that and that's when I that's that's when I knew I was like. Okay, I'm like, this is bad. You know, like, even though I, I get it that it's also, you know, because I think there's really no bad news for Bitcoin. You know, there's no bad marketing or I should say bad publicity. Um, but I, I think that to your point, you know, when they start to market the shit coins and you get a lot of people really screwed, I, I think that that's when it starts to leave, you know, because that's when it starts to leave a bad taste in someone's mouth, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but even, even outside of shit coins, I think... Um you know, you can you can make false claims about Bitcoin. Oh, and you could be very. It's important to be careful about like where the line is and and who your audience is when you're talking about Bitcoin in certain ways. And you know, even though you're not required to slap disclaimers all over the place around like this is not financial advice and things like that because you know Bitcoin's not a security. Uh, you're a dick if you do make those kinds of claims and don't yes. have some kind of educational warning about, you know, this thing could go down quite a bit before it goes up. This is, <laughs> you know, this is true. You know, it, it, it is true. But it's like also at the same time, I, you know, that I think that that's one of the obstacles that we see with Bitcoin. Sometimes, depending on who you're talking to, they they compare it too much to a stock or a security, mm -hmm. and 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 that's I, I think that that's I, I actually think that is one of the the issues that we have with I guess Bitcoin's quote unquote lack of marketing, which I don't think there really is a lack of marketing, but you know, yeah. like you said, semantics. Well, in the in the pre-show, you were, you said you know should we talk about this funnel? Um, oh. But, you know, if you if you think about, I'm not even thinking about it in that in the terms of uh, the discussion from a few weeks ago. But really, if you think about a, uh, you know, a customer journey and how somebody's going to, you know, come into Bitcoin, like it is true that probably the vast majority of people are approaching this first as an investment opportunity. And then the goal is to, you know, get them to understand it better and go deeper and to start thinking about it as, you know, a store of value and and, you know. I, try try using it out and and be ready to use it as a medium of exchange when there's somebody selling something that they that they want to buy and that person only wants to accept bitcoin or you want to set up a store and just kind of like experiment with the tech or whatever and you know it's it's important to be ready to use this thing as money um because we'll be there before you know it it seems like time is passing slow but uh you know, the, it's already a unit of account for traders around the world. It's already a medium of exchange for certain communities and edge cases and some remittances and things like that. And like, it's still a thrill, you know, three years later, every time I do a Bitcoin transaction, like it's still a thrill. It's still fucking cool. Oh, my. <laughs> you, you know what? Actually, that that's, I think, one of the um, 
that's one of the coolest things I, I like about it because it's kind of interesting, right? When you go do any any other type of transaction, you know, you're using a credit card, you're using cash. I mean, you don't really give a shit. Uh, it's you know, you're just doing a transaction. But for some reason, with with Bitcoin um, and and Lightning, of course, like you just um, I don't know. There's something about the personal responsibility that, like, you know, it's, it's going to sound stupid, but you know, like that kind of makes me excited. You know, it's like this is this is really my own transaction. I fully own this. Like, I I cannot like if I screw this up, it is truly on me, and and there is no turning back. And I I kind of actually. I kind of like that. It actually makes it more thrilling. It also, at the same time, makes me a little bit more conscientious about how I'm spending my money or why I'm spending it. So, yeah, I, I think that that is. I actually think that's part of Bitcoin's allure in in a way. <laughs> I, I think you're right. I mean, there is there is. It probably tickles a little bit of the the gambling instinct or like the adventure sports instinct. Like there could be there. There's a risk of loss here. There might be something going on there. I wonder if there's also something going on about like, um, you know, cultures that do have a lot more like haggling or like one-off transactions or something like that. I don't know. Maybe hmm. there's something something there about. Uh, just makes me think of like the Mediterranean souks and markets and things like that for some reason. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you're, you're trying to like, make, well, you have to think a, because of the transaction finality, you have to be more sure about the service or goods that you're paying for. So let me ask you this. It just like it encourages more negotiation and more haggling somehow than <laughs> than otherwise. Like I, I just like because if you don't like a service, like if I don't like if I think that L.A. Fitness or Equinox or whatever is like gonna mess with me over my membership like i'm just gonna complain to mx and mx is gonna take my side because yeah. that's always a shitty merchant right but you don't have that with bitcoin like there's so if i was paying for something with bitcoin i have to be a little bit more sure about the product or service makes me more thoughtful about what i'm buying right more thoughtful there's there's more of like a kind of like a trust element going on over there because let's face it right because everything is off because everything is offset to our third party we don't really have to trust all we simply need to do is trust that you know the third party will refund our money if we're not happy so but i yeah yeah that 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 is something that is that is something that's going to be kind of interesting to see that uh some of the benefits of having a third party and how we how we capture or recapture some of those benefits in in the future with Bitcoin, like how do you get back some of the power that the payer, the consumer has today with intermediaries like Amex and Visa and some of the some of the good things about having intermediaries and how do you do those and reconstruct them in a Bitcoin way that's actually better, whether it's through you know escrow multi-sig type things mm. or you know reputation scores i think everybody's going to have to have a lot more uh i think you're going to actually have a lot more um you know scoring of merchants and service providers and people are going to care a lot more about who provides those scores and who proves that those scores were you know derived from votes by real customers and things like that like you're going to have to get the games out of so much of you know this like trust pilot yelp um, you know, holding people hostage basically with shit reviews and bad review processes so that you like pay for the premium and can get, can get your reviews, you know, checked by the, 
by the third party or whatever, like that'll all get washed out and you'll actually have to have proper reputation that's actually closely guarded um, by the providers of, of, um, of that scoring. I think that will all have to get way, way better. That's interesting. And that kind of sounds like that Black Mirror episode. Um, I don't know if you ever saw that one there. The, Nosedive? Uh, uh, I think so. It's, it's the one with the, um, it was the one with the, with the social, um, uh, what is it? You know, the social ranking to go and become the, uh, yeah. like the star. You know, and you have to uh, sit there on the bike and just keep biking to, you know. Oh, oh, yeah. That was like, uh, that was really early on. That was yeah. uh, 15 million credits with the guy yes. that ended up being in, uh, in Get Out. And it was, um, yes. it was the, the girl was from Downton Abbey. Um, yeah, that was a fantastic episode. And there, he was like shard guy. <laughs> it was, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like that, that episode definitely, it, it kind of, you know, kind of creeped me out of course. Um, just because like you can, you can see what's, what's happening there. But I have seen like, there's also, um, there was another show as well where they did a whole entire thing where, you know, re based on what you did, you know, like someone would either give you a thumbs up or a thumbs down and it yeah. was it was live and constant. Right. So it was every interaction you were having. So yeah. I, I think that these social scoring systems, although are super, super cool, they do kind of, you know, scare the crap out of me. <laughs> I don't think I don't want anything to do with social scoring. That's just terrible. And that's what's happening in China right now. Yeah. Um, so I'm not interested in that. Uh, I do think uh, good reviews of products and services are going to be very important. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. I wanted to ask you something though, because um, you you mentioned something about the uh, you know the, the the people living out like let's say in the Mediterranean islands and stuff like that. Um, about ten to fifteen years ago, there was, uh, or maybe it was even twenty years ago. I'm I'm old, um, but I, I recall seeing a number saying eighty percent of the world's transactions are done in cash, right? And and only twenty percent were actually. It it gives us an idea of how big our you know I guess how big the electronic economy is, and I guess what I started to to think was was that you know what would it take to get those people that really only know cash to start using Bitcoin? Well, I, I think the phones have to have changed that significantly. They so must have right. It must have already changed quite a bit. Um, and then, you know, just like payments has got, has advanced by leaps and bounds. I mean, point of sale systems are super cheap now, right? You can just plug something right into your phone and, you know, what we see with Square here in the U.S., you know, there are versions of that every other place around the world that I've been, you know, I've, I've seen, I've checked out on iPhones and iPads in Portugal and Italy and, and Turkey and different places over the last five or 10 years. So I think a lot of it has just come about with the telecommunications and the internet revolution. So I suspect it's probably uh, already headed that direction. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be, I don't know. I mean, it, you just you just have to keep on abstract, abstracting it away and making it easier and easier so that somebody just like doesn't really care what they're paying with and has a sense that, you know, as soon as you have a sense that you know, this thing is going to be somewhat stable, at least over the next few weeks, you know, which we're probably two cycles away from. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably that's probably yeah. like a late late 20s kind of thing. Um, I think so many people will be very comfortable with that. And again, you're crossing you're crossing over the volatility of some currencies already. Right. Like I'd rather have Bitcoin than the Lebanese 
pound and I'd rather have Bitcoin than a lot of other currencies, even in a, even in a, you know, a current account, a checking account for my expenses. You know, if I were in a, you know, probably a, a good quarter to a third of the countries around the world, Bitcoin is better than their local currency on stability already. So, I mean, in, in, in talking about the the Bitcoin volatility, right? Um, recently, I don't know about you, but I've been seeing articles, you know, about uh, you know Bitcoin's sweet spot, you know, between seven to ten k. And I think I saw Brady put out a tweet. Uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before, um, you know, mentioning how the last time we trended in a certain range was before we had our our next run up. What are your what are your thoughts on the uh, the Bitcoin price? these days yeah i've so specific i think he said it it basically ranged just sideways for five months in 2016 before starting to go up again and uh yeah i mean i was explaining this to uh to my brother earlier this morning who's you know relatively new to bitcoin and um you know there's this concept of like how long an asset has traded above a certain level and how much you know how much of that asset has traded above a certain level and what's really hard for people to remember because all we've been bludgeoned with for you know three years since almost three years now more since the end of 2017 um is you know it went up to 19.6 right but it was above seventeen thousand dollars for two hours yeah and it was above fifteen thousand dollars for less than 48 hours so you know, if you really look at like, where did Bitcoin spend a decent amount of time? Like it didn't really spend hardly any time. It spent a couple, like three weeks above 10K in mm -hmm. late 2017, early 2018. Like it wasn't much. Um, so this this period of time where we're just, you know, plugging away after the depths of, of uh, you know, Black Thursday on, what was that, March 12th? And, um, you know, and charging up pretty quick back up to the you know seven eight and then now being above nine in the sort of nine to ten range for what six seven weeks now or whatever it is uh there's a lot of coin trading here and there's a lot of people buying in for the first time or adding to their stack or just like you know their average entry point is just getting anchored in their brains and in their actual financial accounts at this level and you know this is always going to feel like a good price for a lot of people going forward so yeah it does feel like we're putting in you know some kind of really solid base here yeah around nine it also means it's hard to break out but uh you know i think uh i don't know i'm still pretty optimistic about at least one one big charge you know up through the high of last summer before the end of this year mm -hmm. yeah I you agree. Know, like I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd handicap this. At, I think there's over fifty percent chance that sometime in the next five and a half months, we'll be uh, above thirteen eight. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I definitely do. I mean, I, I just, you know, when, when I look at this type of accumulation, and I was, you know, I was in this before we had that twenty seventeen run, and I was starting to watch the Bitcoin prices before then, and it, I'm starting to feel this like familiar type of like it's not just the bitcoin price but it's the environment right you know we've got a bunch of people who were quote unquote bitcoin only who all you know are pro bitcoin now all of a sudden you know 
coming out with a lot more shit coining. We see a lot more new accounts, you know, coming onto Twitter that are just, you know, shilling whatever the hell they can shill. So it's all very familiar feeling, more and more scams, you know, that are popping up on YouTube. So you're trying to, you know, trying to take whatever they can from you. So I, I'm starting to have that familiar feeling that uh, we're, we're definitely at the very least, to your point, we're going to make another run at least for last summer's high. If not, if yeah, not more, so. if not more, because there's, I, I feel like there's more people. Yeah. No, and I mean, again, and I expect a, like a face melting run next year. Oh, yeah. Big so time. I'm, I, this conversation is just time boxing now between, you know, between now and the end of 2020. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, like, I'll be super disappointed if we're not in the six figures next year. Yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely, uh, <sighs> disappointed, but still hopeful. You know, disappointed, but still hopeful, depending on, you know what it is? One thing I realized during the bear market was this. I, I didn't pay attention to price and I just paid attention to development. And you know what? I, I never once for a second um, felt like like it was like, like we were slipping behind. Not once. When I, when I paid attention to the development, because you know what? Regardless of what the Bitcoin price is doing, the type of technology that they're, you know, building around Bitcoin and in Bitcoin is just absolutely incredible. You know, so I, I'm excited. You know, Taproot, yeah. of course, which I know is like a couple of, is like probably a year out. And but, you know, there's, there's some other interesting technologies that they're trying to build on top of that. Yeah. So Have we, has it been pushed out that far? Um, I, I was talking about it like I think three months ago with uh, Awi on uh, or yeah. Awi on uh, uh, yeah. Telegram and um, yeah. So right now I think we're we're waiting. It's like it's reached that point where everybody has accepted that it's got to go in, but it hasn't moved beyond that point. Interesting. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just gonna the devs working on Bitcoin like full time or near full time are just spectacularly talented and incredibly intelligent and you know it's it's funny man i mean we're we're hearing so much noise about um you know DeFi and what what's the oh chain link oh. like popping all over the place like i saw Car <laughs> like cardano just popped into like the top six or something and then get past bsv for a minute uh i don't know man i don't have any sort of i don't have anything left in me that's like trying to get rich quick and like try to catch some popcorn alts like it's just so funny i'm trying to explain to people like okay so cardano just ran up like whatever it did you know 5x or 6x or whatever like it's still down 90 percent after this incredible run-up it's still down 90 percent in bitcoin terms from its all-time high exactly you know so like how are you going to time this and then now you're going to start dealing with taxes and you know you're going to be a trader like i don't know and which one are you going to pick like you wouldn't have picked cardano no there's what, what was it so in 2017 there was i, I remember this um there was uh, approximately 1800 alts that was back then so there's I, if you ask me there's at least 1800 now most of them are because you know alts never really none of this stuff ever dies right it just sits as a zombie it doesn't yeah. do anything. It has no network usage. Like there's no, you know, there's no coding behind it. It's just a zombie coin. And that's, I'm not saying Cardano's a zombie coin, but I'm saying that it, 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 it requires, it requires people to go and move their valuable liquid Bitcoin into this unknown, not liquid shitcoin. And I just don't see the shelling point moving that way. 
<laughs> so, like, I just don't. But no, I think it's we're we're already in the early stages of our bright orange future, and yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's a great place to be. And I think a much healthier approach to you know making money is to do things where you have a comparative advantage, like you know whatever it is you want to build houses or you know be a marketer or you know whatever it is like just do what you're good at and stack as many sats as you can so speaking of which right you were you were just mentioning uh defi i don't know if you saw that stupid tweet from uh uh what's his name is it kurt uh Bernescus? no it's uh berniski berniski uh, is it chris i anyways yes. i it, i see some of his uh, some of his shitcoin stuff out there and I, I just, I, I hate it. it. Like he, he tried to sit there and and pull Bitcoin into his his DeFi comments, and it's like, dude, you know, Bitcoin may be quote unquote decentralized financed, but in no way is it a, a shit coining platform like DeFi. Like DeFi just looks like what Ethereum looked like in 2017. It's just another layer that they built on top of it, you know. Like the original, yeah. right? Because everybody spawned their shit coins on Ethereum in 2017 and everybody yeah. bought this crap. And now, D, uh, you know, DeFi looks like it's doing the same thing, but trying to get people in with this bullshit term called yield farming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, what's what's kind of interesting, um, so it, it is the next wave of essentially just a lot of money sloshing around. And so what what is there that's kind of interesting is bankers and traders so let's you know let's include vcs and bankers they're just people that are like affecting transactions and have kind of insider information and you know basically use their information flows and their access and their deal making prowess or you know their ability to like take people to the right strip club or whatever it is that gets them access to the deals um you know because there's so much money sloshing around people can make a lot of money by taking it from other people but the pie isn't growing like there's no there's no like extra money coming in there's nothing of value being created there it's basically like yield farming is just taking it's essentially like your buddy in you know your buddy in cleveland or chicago that was the first one to pass out to everybody on facebook uh your uber sign up code and they got free rides for like two or three years like that's basically what it is. Like you're just like it's VCs and you know dumb retail essentially subsidizing these traders and these yield farmers that are you know clocking yields or whatever that is like way higher than market rate for what they're providing. And you know there's just a ton of blow up risk in it. You're seeing you know hacks left and right and blow ups and you know all these things. Like it's just on such a rickety thing. What's interesting, I think, that's a little bit different with DeFi is the uh, like the the Ethereum long con, and it is a bird of a feather with Ripple. Like Ethereum is looking more and more like Ripple every day to me. Um, <laughs> what's different about what's different about ICOs and DeFi is there are a lot more uh, smart people. You know, by by smart terms and air quotes, I think Taleb would call them IYIs, like intellectual yet idiots. Um, but people that are credentialed, you know, people at Andreessen, people from Stanford, MIT, whatever. Um, there are a lot of those types working in DeFi, and they're blind to what they're looking at because nothing in their social circle is indicating to them uh, that they're not right. 
because all of these smart people that they've just been accl acclimated to, you know, there, there's hedge fund guys that think DeFi is interesting. They're getting calls from people on Wall Street like, oh, 8% yield. That sounds dope. I'm getting like 0.1% over here. You know, so there's all these all these signals from your social network. And I, I like I empathize with that to a degree because, you know, I was suckered in by the social signals of ICOs and venture capital and, you know, a lot of the smart people that I knew in venture and startups and Google and, you know, like my, my work circle got pulled into that bullshit in 2017. It took me like almost a year and a lot of fucking podcasts and some, thank God, some hard conversations with people that helped me see the light before I came out the other side and understood Bitcoin a lot closer to what it is and obviously continued my education since. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I don't, I think that, you know, even if Bitcoin goes up, let's say Bitcoin, you know, goes up, gets 10 times more people involved in this cycle than it did in 2017 and, and does a much better job of uh, keeping people away from altcoins and scams and, like does twice as good. You could still see five times more people getting into this cycles version of ICOs, even though Bitcoin and Bitcoiners are doing a much better job just because I expect the wave to be so big. I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be insane. It, it, it really is. I, I think that we, we didn't accurately, I, I believe that we always, we underestimate Bitcoin and, and what it can do. And I, I think that 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 alone is just going to create that, you know, that face melting move and the face melting moves that that people are talking about, you know, yeah. so that, that's definitely uh, that's definitely on yeah. the way. Um, I'll summarize that, though. I am not optimistic that we'll see the end, end of shit coins anytime soon. Probably not oh, in my lifetime. Oh, no, we, we definitely look. Don't get me wrong, but think about it, right? Like the, re the, the reality is people still try to start new Ponzi schemes. Pe right. People, you know what I mean? Like to, to this day, they're still pulling the same scams they were pulling 10 years ago. And they're, they're using the traditional system to do it. You know, they're still pulling the same mm -hmm. scams they were doing 50 years ago. It's just, it's slightly changed forms, but it's the same thing. I mean, you know, it, it's kind of like how... Um, uh, you know, multi-level marketing, right? The pyramid mm -hmm. scheme became multi-level marketing and then multi-level mm -hmm. marketing sounded like crap. So now it's network marketing, mm -hmm. you know? By the way, I'm, uh, I'm having a Tupperware party uh, later. Can you and the wifey come by? <laughs> I'm going to sell you some yeah, Tupperware. Exactly, it's be great. right? <laughs> yeah. And, and then, you know, it's so that, that's exactly the thing, you know? It, Dude, acai juice. It's only $40 a bottle, but you can sell it to somebody else for 60. <laughs> it's got nutrients. Okay. Specialized yeah, nutrients. Um, trust the, trust the knowledge of the Amazon. <laughs> um, th there was, there was something else though that I, I wanted to get into with you, uh, because I didn't actually get the chance to talk to you about it very much. Um, but mm. I saw that you, you kind of started, uh, you, you went off and did, uh, your own, you, you started your own show, right? Or like something like not Bitcoin related, but getting into Bitcoin or something. So we're working on it. It's, it's a work in progress. So so here's the deal. Uh, I know that it's the right thing for the company, for Swan Bitcoin, uh, to have me out there a little bit more. 
and I didn't want to. It's one of the reasons that I, you know, surrounded myself with people that uh, that do plenty of media. You know, Jan wrote a book and is great on podcasts, and Brady has his own show, and he's awesome hosting Swan Signal Live. And you know, Brandon Quidham, you know, is always doing his his mushroom and Bitcoin song and dance all over the place and writing incredible pieces. But um, it does seem pretty clear that uh, that I do need to do like put myself out there a little bit more, and that it's it's good for the company and it's you know good practice for me to connect with people, etc. Um, and so I'm going to do it. And the question is just uh, what's the format of the show and what's it for? So uh, I've got a brother, and he's awesome. He's my older brother, and um, I have a ton of respect for him. He's incredibly charismatic he's been uh you know been a local rock star in seattle for a decade and he's been in the service industry running bars and owning restaurants and stuff for 20 some years and still does that he owns a restaurant up in seattle and still plays music and hangs out with musicians and stuff and he also likes bitcoin a lot he's been you know kind of sniffing around it since 2015 2016 and you know has it has a little bit um but with me going way way deeper obviously the last few years he started to catch up a little bit in particular over the last you know six months to a year or so um so there's the makings of a show there where uh a i'll show up for the taping if i know i get to see my brother and then you know b i'll be much more likely to be you know somewhat natural and just have like a fun rapport if I know that he's there and listening and, you know, you, you, I know what he's going to say in response to most questions I'd ask. So it's just kind of like much easier to shoot. So the combination, like something with my brother, that's kind of about Bitcoin feels like it should, should work. Uh, what we started, so it's called ugly duckling in the bright orange future, which sounds like a nice like band, it. which is great. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, I think we might just shorten it to bright orange future. Uh, which is, you know, obviously like a tip to Bitcoiners that we're kind of talking about Bitcoin sometimes, but not necessarily uh, blasting people in the face that might listen to it without necessarily signing up for a Bitcoin show. And um, yeah, so we talk about music and culture and the future. I think what we're kind of headed toward is probably a guest driven show where we get people to come on and talk about their area of expertise and then basically have a discussion about where their area of interest will go in the future and what will be good about it and what will be bad about it and how you can uh, prepare uh, to ameliorate some of the negative effects of like whether it's AI or driverless cars or real estate tech or Bitcoin or um, you know some aspect of geopolitics or deflationary economics or whatever it is so there'll be like a lot of Bitcoin and Bitcoin adjacent topics and then some just wild cards but because you know I'll be the host and my brother's there you know, we'll work Bitcoin into the conversation here and there and, and see what happens. So I think that's probably where we're headed. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. I got a lot of appreciation for you guys that have been podcasting for a while, man, because it's, uh, you know, when you put out a dud show, we've done six of them so, so far, like it's, it takes me a good 24 to 48 to get over uh, not feeling awesome about the show. <laughs> No, don't, you know, I, I mean, it's, you, you know how it goes. And I mean, I don't have to tell, I don't have to tell you, you know, like you have a great attitude and I, I think you, you know, you have a great personality and you're very easy to speak to. So it, it's, it, it's all about persistence that that's really what it is. You, you just got to keep at it. And uh, eventually the momentum catches up with what you're doing. I mean, I, you know, nobody, I, I can tell you like nobody has ever heard my first shows. 
right? <laughs> like, like, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm not going to go and point anybody to it. Now, I'm not saying that's the case for you because I, I think you have a, you know, like, I, I just think you have a very nice outgoing personality. So, and you also seem to, uh, you know, you seem to really plan this out. And like you said, you know, you're, you're talking with your, you know, with your brother and it makes the rapport, like just the, the flow so much better. Like, I could tell you I had none of those things. And listening back to my first episodes, I, I'm proud that I did them. But <laughs> but I wouldn't shill them. So 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 what you've done six episodes now, right? Yeah, man, that's awesome. Like I, I think that that's great. And so, do you put one out? How often do you put them out? So that's the other thing. So we were we're doing two a week of like uh, you know twenty five to thirty minutes or twenty to thirty minutes, and I think we're gonna go down to like uh, once a week in more like forty five minutes. Um, I, we had our first guest episode. So the first five were just us talking and then we did one with a guest and it just felt really, really tight and cramped trying to fit that into like 30 minutes. So I just want to give it a little more room to breathe. Yeah, it's okay. So look, th this is what I found, um, alone. If you're going to talk alone, you can probably, um, keep the audience captive for, you know, let's say 15 to 22 minutes, maybe 25 minutes. For real, uh, it's it. I unless you're incredibly charismatic or you know have this totally awesome story every time, it's really difficult. But once you get to two people, it's always I find it's always going to be over thirty minutes unless one of the unless one or both of the people are um, really either poor storytellers um, or they're very they're very blunt in how they speak or uh, they're just introverted and they don't really you know they they just don't want to tell the story you yeah. know they don't want to get into it yeah, i guess the other so, thing is you know if you do a lot of post and so you only take like the best questions and answers and you tighten it up um you know there's a there's a show this young kid started a few years ago called 20 minute vc where he interviews like vcs and startup founders and it's always 20 minutes um but i think he does pretty heavy post and takes out a lot of gaps and and probably like takes out whole chunks of conversations to come up with a tight 20. Um, and I don't yeah. really want to do all that post. <laughs> I, it's, it, that's the, you know, that's the other thing, which don't get me wrong. Like, um, for me, I, I will go and take a look at the person's profile. If they did any, you know, like you, you do Swan Bitcoin, give Bitcoin. I go and check out the websites and stuff like that. And then I'll just probably think of like maybe three to five questions. But most, mm -hmm. most of the time, like when we did the, you know, when I got to have you on the first time for the rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't I don't do any preparation because I just want it to be natural, because if it's not, then it feels mechanic. And and the reality is, is that the audience can feel mechanic speech mm -hmm. and it's just it's brutal. It's like you're grinding through it, you know, like the nobody wants to listen to it. You don't want to be saying it. It's uh, it just sucks, yeah. man. It, I don't know. It's a weird. I did, I did a show. I did a show, and I will <laughs> definitely not name drop it. I just did it like in a weak moment. Somebody random hit me up on Twitter, and I was like, "Sure, whatever." So I record it, and the guy uh, is he literally reading the questions to me. Ooh. So I did, I did like a half hour, and he read read a question, and I answered it, and then he read another question, and I answered it, and I almost fell asleep during the interview. Like while recording the interview, I it's almost like, fell asleep. Oh that was the subject of the interview. Anyway, it's pretty funny. But isn't that cringe? Uh, it's like you're like, <laughs> I so feel bad. so bad. It's so bad. But I was like, 
maybe I misjudged this gentleman's age and maybe he's a high school kid. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, just, I just imagined he was like the kid from Almost Famous and I was nice to him. <laughs> That's awesome. It's like, a, you, yeah. know, you know what, though? I never turn, never turn the podcast down. I, I've said yes to, you know, not like I'm anyone of like stature, but I've never said no to anybody because yeah. number one, I always want to talk about Bitcoin. Number two, yeah. it's going to be good practice for them. And it's going to be good practice yeah. for you too, you know. Yeah. Well, I look, I look forward to seeing you on uh, Hotep Jesus and Richard Hart next week. Oh wow! <laughs> okay, you called me on that one. Fucking called me on that one. Okay, so you just you found two places I won't go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. Fair uh, enough. Don't don't need to do those ones. Fair um, enough. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, I wasn't oh, expecting that, Corey. Man, you're sharp. <laughs> I was not <laughs> expecting that. Well, I feel bad because I actually because I I didn't know anything about like Hex and Richard Hart. I think I just like I guess he has a long history and you know whatever. I just couldn't imagine that it would be that bad. And so when uh, Stefan uh, got hit up like by Richard Hart, like you want to come on my show and talk about Bitcoin. And you like, he hit me up on DM and was like, you know, should I go on the show? Like, what do you think about going on, you know, crypto platforms or whatever? And I'm all for like, I'll dude, I'll do, I'll go do altcoin daily. I'll go do like crypto beetles, Bitboy. I don't give a shit. I'll talk to Wendy O. Like, like if some, I haven't even been on these shows, but like, if, if they asked me, I would absolutely go have a conversation with someone that's like relatively conscientious and, you know, isn't going to totally try to manipulate the conversation and isn't going to like, you know, try to make Bitcoin look bad or something like that. Right. Uh, and like, and Stefan and multiple other people that took that invite during the hex marketing tour, you know, man, did he play a lot of us like a fiddle. I felt so bad for saying like, who cares? Like, don't put them on your platform. Don't give them, you know, your audience, but sure. Go show Bitcoin to their audience. But, uh, yeah, he was he was doing some next level podcast scamming there, uh, turning down people's microphones and you know talking over them and like he was really prepared like a high school debate champion for uh, for what he was about to do. That was uh, that was peak Ponzi charlatanism right there. Yeah, man, he is quite the sociopath. And I, I do have to give a shout out though to um, uh, oh my gosh, I feel so bad. I'm like totally forgetting Giacomo. I have to give a shout out to Giacomo. Because when he brought Giacomo on his on on that pod, Giacomo trolled him back so hard, and it was it was beautiful. He you know he did the uh, the Zucks coin, and he told him that he's going to make it with more pumpamentals, and and he just so everything Richard was saying, Giacomo would just up it, you know. So, That's amazing. And, and like because it doesn't matter, and Giacomo's like it's not real anyways, right? <laughs> so, yeah. You know, and like what's Richard going to do? He's not can't can't fucking argue with this guy. It's going to make him no. look like a schmuck. So, and yeah. because he always keeps his cool no matter what. And yeah. I'm talking about Richard, you know, he always, like, I know. very few times I saw him blow his lid and it was never during the hex shit. So I but have like, to, unfortunately, very few of us have uh, Giacomo's skills to spit out oh. perfectly formed paragraphs ex temp in the moment. I, I don't know if you've ever been uh, in a room where, you know, somebody's arguing about something and Giacomo just likes to record his voice and like if you take the transcript of what he says it'll be like better than what i would do if i sat down for two hours and like wrote an essay 
so he just like he thinks very structured and in real time can just like dance circles around people i think maybe it's like the politics and maybe just like a lot of dense matter between his ears or whatever but um yeah not everybody can do that in real time i can't i definitely can't i might be able to you know pull it off for a certain matter of seconds (laughs) <laughs> but that's about it. Eventually I'll lose my train of thought and not be able to, you know, keep everything all together. So And it's not even his native goddamn language. Like, dude, I would be like oh. if I tried to argue in Italian, I would just sound like Stallone getting punched. <laughs> I, <laughs> I I wouldn't even try. I you know what? I I'm good at recognizing my limitations. I would bow out even before I could start in that because yeah. Yeah. I, it's just not, uh, it wouldn't work for me. Oh, oh man. man. Yeah, exactly. But, um, okay. So, you know, so let me ask you this. So you've done six episodes. We're going back to your, your podcast now. So, okay. So bright orange future, bright orange future. Okay. So now we're not going to go with the, sorry, the, the ugly, I apologize. Ugly duckling. The ugly duckling well, it's, and it's, the bright today orange it's called future. Ugly duckling and the bright orange future, okay. which is, you know, that's the working title and that's where the first six episodes. So yeah, so bright orange future. So here's, here's kind of what I'm personally interested in talking about and the kind of guests that I think I want to book. And I think that's what you want to get at yeah. is, uh, <laughs> so I, I thought that the way that Peter Thiel laid out the quadrant of optimism versus pessimism and definite versus indefinite for how a a person or a culture can view the future was one of the most fascinating and meaningful two by two diagrams that I'd ever seen. And uh, you know, you're talking to a a B school management consultant who's done probably 10,000 two by two matrices (laughs) for different (laughs) things over the years. And that's like my favorite one. And, and so basically to lay it out for anyone that didn't run across it or hasn't read it, first of all, read zero to one, you can like or hate Peter Thiel and whatever, but like that book's brilliant. Um, and and basically, you could take a culture like uh, the United States and essentially up until World War II, so call it like from the founding of the country up through World War II and, and into the 50s, basically until, you know, the, the 60s, um, we were uh, definite optimists. We had a view of what the future would be and we we're going to go to the moon and we're taking over the world and everybody's going to be rich and, you know, we're going to do better than our parents and our kids are going to do better than us. And, you know, it's just like this, the inexorable march of progress and we're optimistic and we know where we're going. And then, you know, the 60s hit and the Cultural Revolution and the destruction of heroes and understanding like, you know, it wasn't, you know, the mainstream media was only showing and telling stories of people that were on top and not you know, exploring the the paths and the pain of people that were not benefiting from this march toward progress. And then, you know, so the cultural revolution, the, the American version, not the Maoist version. And, um, you know, the hippies and then the 70s just sucked with stagflation and New York City going bankrupt and just crime and pimps and all that stuff. And then 80s me decade. And, you know, again, just like, anyway, so basically like the last you know, what, 50 years is since 1970. So basically anyone from Gen X or younger has essentially grown up their entire lives in what I would say is probably much more like indefinite optimism. And I'd say that lasted probably until, uh, depending on, you know, how close you were to like GFC, I'd say indefinite optimism lasted through 2008 or potentially through like now. 
depending on your view and how you did in this bull market and you know how disrupted you personally were. Mm. Uh, I think that we are, we've been in a transition toward indefinite pessimism for the last 12 years. And I think that we're kind of squarely in it right now. Like we don't know where we're going and we're pessimistic about it as a nation right now, broadly. Uh, and you know, the only thing that's given me uh, a lifeline out of this really was Bitcoin. And that's what I think it's, it's so important to have something, uh, that we can actually see the path by which Bitcoin could make things so much better. And it's like, and it's definite, like it's, it's rational and there's no way around the reality of some very, very large things that will happen that will rearrange the pieces on the game board. that are just going to like toss this game board out and bring out a new game board, right? A new protocol through which we organize seven plus billion people around the world, um, around state free money. Um, and so that's just fascinating. Like you, you can't really be into Bitcoin and not be a definite optimist. Oh yeah. I, I totally agree. And it's kind of funny, right? Because some people think that we have to be doomsdayers, right? But it's quite the opposite. It's the opposite. The it's totally opposite. the opposite. And that's why the show is called bright orange future. I like it. Cause that's what it's all about. It's about the, it's about you know, what will the future be like and what will be good about it and what will be bad about it? And how can you, how can you take steps early on? And there's so much economic opportunity in understanding what some of those, uh, what those downsides will be, because we're going to have a lot of disruption and some things that actually work really well mm. with, with state full money <laughs> and trusted intermediaries. Like mm. there are a lot of things that work really well there yep. and we're going to rip that out and create a new base layer but we're going to want to, you know, maintain or solve some of those problems that are solved by the current system in different ways. Uh, you know, just like the internet came through and remade every other industry, you know, like Bitcoin will put it in, but we're going to want to have a lot of things that we're used to still exist. And a lot of them are going to break with a new base layer. Yep, they are. Right. And so that's where I actually think, I think that's the next, you know, the next 20 years of startup innovation is not DeFi, which is, as Bitcoin Tina would call it, skeuomorphic, which is basically just trying to recreate uh, things that actually look just like the old thing, but saying that it's new. Yeah. Right. It's like, hey, we're going to have interest accounts and we need inflation and, you know, all this, all this shit. It's like, nah, bro. It's like we uh, we're moving to a, a whole different thing. It's Bitcoin's a deflationary currency it's limited supply like you're going to see almost all equity investments and like the destruction of the credit-based system etc cetera, etc cetera. you know so what are these what are these other things that are going to come about and i think it's going to be interesting because now as opposed to like all this you know these blockchain startup bullshits that are like ai plus blockchain oh. ml plus blockchain vr plus blockchain all of those things plus bitcoin or bitcoin enabled or solving problems that you know that bitcoin creates that a new system by definition will create so much, you know, damage along with all the good, there's going to be so much opportunity in fixing each one of those problems. So I want to like try to figure out what are those things. And this dovetails really nicely with Bitcoin or ventures because 
you know, you know that we started a, Absolutely. a, a firm that will eventually hopefully become like a, a properly capitalized fund. But BitcoinerVentures.com is just uh, an angelist syndicate where we uh, chip into uh, funding rounds for, for Bitcoin only companies. Our first deal was Unchained Capital in May, and we would like to fund another one in kind of the fall window, like September through November. So we're kind of early looking at some companies right now. And, you know, it, we can't kick in much because it's a small syndicate. We've got like 65 LPs, but we want to cut a check of like, you know, maybe 150 to 200 um, in this next one. Um, you know, what, what that should be over time is it should shift from investing in Bitcoin only companies to uh, continuing to do that. But in five years, I'd like to be investing in startups started by Bitcoiners. So that are solving these problems that are created by the disruption of ripping out the base layer and putting in a better one. And that's exactly, I mean, I think that's exactly what Bitcoiners are doing. You know, like I think slowly but surely that's exactly what's happening. But I want to go back to, to what you just said about funding um, uh, another one in, uh, you said, the fall time frame. So, yeah. so you guys, are you still taking on like new... Uh, you know, new investors and stuff like that. Cause I gotta be honest, I'm part of the group and I've often scrolled through it and I, it's like, you know what? I, I don't know why I haven't, um, persisted in it because I, I find it's one, it's a good way that those of us who, you know, work our normie jobs and convert our fiat into, into Bitcoin. This is also one of the ways that we can contribute when we don't write code. You know, it's like, I'm not a code writer, but Hey, you know, maybe if I could fund somebody who does that can make a difference then that matters. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's largely the burden of the people that are uh, like very wealthy to do that as it is for like angel investing. First of all, to qualify on AngelList, you have to be accredited, which means, you know, making over 200 a year as an individual or over 300 as a as a couple uh, or having like a million dollars of liquid assets or something. So like the bar is kind of high. Um, you know, so I, I don't suggest that people that uh, aren't really interested in angel investing do this because the hurdle rate of, you know, taking that money and instead of holding it in Bitcoin, choosing to put that into a startup like, you know, I, I wouldn't suggest that for most people that are, you know, retail level investors. I think it's a much better idea to just like stack more sats. Um, that said, there are a lot of people that have a good bit of a good bit of money, a good bit of wealth, and they have a good bit of Bitcoin and they, you know, if Bitcoin does what they think it's going to do, they'll be fine because they have their, you know, double or tri triple digit numbers of Bitcoins or whatever. Um, and they're already, you know, used to investing in companies or running companies of their own or investing in real estate or investing in stocks and bonds and maybe cutting checks for startups in the past or whatever. And, you know, you have the right, but not the obligation to invest in a given deal. Um, with Bitcoin or ventures. So as long as you're like qualified on AngelList and sitting there in the syndicate, you get all the information and you can, you know, decide deal by deal if you want to participate. And then it comes down to like, is this a good investment decision? Is this a company that I believe in? Can I actually personally help affect the outcome for this company? Um, you know, or do I just, you know, like you might contribute to Patreon. That is certainly the motivation. Like I, I wouldn't doubt that 20 or 30 percent of the money that came into our little allocation for Unchained Capital was essentially just people that like Joe and Drew and Will and Phil and Parker and love the blog and think that, you know, building Bitcoin native financial services and not doing it by relying on, you know, a bunch of shitcoin interest scamming, you know, KYC giving up 
operations, you know, just actually running a good Bitcoin company, you know, deserved a little, uh, you know, they just wanted to participate in that, have a seat at the table and be able to tell people that they were, you know, small investors in it. So that, that certainly can be part of it too, but absolutely the goal is not charity. And I also just want to make super clear. Uh, so the four partners are myself, uh, Jan Pritzker, Stefan Levera, and Louis Liu, and we take no fees and no carry. So it's actually just for like for networking and for fun and for doing something for Bitcoin for us and just to kind of have like better access and better knowledge and, and meet more people. Um, and we invest on the exact same terms in every deal alongside the syndicate. So we only do a deal if all four of us agree that we will invest alongside on the same terms as anyone else. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And we don't have any upside or benefit from other people's money coming in. Very cool. So uh, I'm sorry. I just uh, I wanted to go back to something you said uh, about the uh, about your podcast. Um, I've added zero to one to my audible wish list. Uh, because even though I don't care for Peter Thiel, I've heard the same thing that you said. doesn't matter what you think. Read that book. It's a great book. So I'm definitely going to do it. Um, but I just wanted to ask, I, I don't know if you touched on it, but so what type of guests are you looking to, to get on your podcast? Because it sounds to me like you're not looking necessarily to, to chat with Bitcoiners per se. So we will, but I think it'll be a mix. Okay. I think it'll be, yeah. I mean, they're certainly going to have some Bitcoiners on, you know, some of the authors and podcasters, et cetera. Like, I mean, you really think I'm not going to want to talk to some Bitcoiners? <laughs> of course I'm going to, like, if I, if I deliberately set out to not book any Bitcoiners, it'll still be like 25% of the guests. Like that's just going to happen because <laughs> that's, that's how it's going to be. That's awesome. Um, but I absolutely like we want to talk to, uh, you know, we're going to talk to authors and scientists and, you know, politicians and, you know, just a wide range. I want to talk to VCs and startup founders. I mean, that's 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 a world that I come from. So it's going to be really easy for us to book, you know, any sort of startup investor or startup founder. Um, not any, but a lot of a lot of the people that I would want to talk to that are doing interesting new things and are going to want to, you know, be on a podcast to spread the word about what they're doing. I think that could be interesting, and I think that'll be really interesting for, uh, you know, a lot of Bitcoiners to to see what's out there because I think there are a lot of misconceptions, um, especially for younger Bitcoiners that haven't had any exposure to, uh, you know, venture capital, banking, hedge funds. Mm -hmm you know, traders, you know, private equity, you know, all, all these different other areas or politics or whatever. And there's, uh, you know, there's certainly, it's certainly easy to dismiss all of it as not Bitcoin, therefore not interesting, or they're all scammers, or they're all just like evil, and we're going to get rid of all of them. And it's like, no, we're kind of just going to like tear out all of the institutions that don't fit with Bitcoin. Bitcoin's just going to do it for them. Mm -hmm. It's going to get rid of things that don't fit Bitcoin. And, but the people are going to be the same and the vast majority of Bitcoin, the vast majority of the 18 million that we're talking about is today in the hands or has legal ownership of people in the categories that I just mentioned. <laughs> you know, like yeah. we're in a couple of telegram groups together yeah. and, you know, there are individuals that I know from my, you know, previous work life that own more Bitcoin without really even caring about it. They'd be like in the 10th percentile in a room of 200, there'd be 180 people that care about Bitcoin more than they do, but they own more Bitcoin than all 200 of those people combined. Wow. 
because it's just a trade for them. It's just yeah. like, it's just, a, it's just a hedge. It's just a bet. And they got a few thousand Bitcoins that they bought back in 2013 or 2016 or 2018 or whatever, you know, just because they wanted to hedge their wealth because they're worth nine figures or 10 figures. Yep. And, and that makes sense, you know, but it's frustrating to me. Cause I like, I have an argument with somebody from my old life. This happened to me. It's really still pisses me off to this day, but he, it's a buddy of mine from, uh, from the Chicago days that, always can needle me because of his insane levels of wealth. But, uh, you know, I was explaining to him on the phone in, in the same, you know, 45 minute conversation about a year ago, uh, I, I spent like half the conversation, you know, explaining to him why Bitcoin is not my space and there's no Facebook around the corner. Uh, but it also became like extremely clear to me that the guy also owned probably 10 times more Bitcoin than me. <laughs> well, you know what? <laughs> It's kind of cool, though, that you're talking to him about it, though. And you're, you know, so at least he knows maybe he's in good company. He's not, he is not selling. That's for sure. There you go. That's, that's what matters. You know, it's like he's not selling. So he obviously sees the bright orange future. You know, there you go. go. (laughs) Definitely sees it. I think, I think we're going to end up with a coin Icarus segment on occasion. Oh, wow. (laughs) Man, I would be. You know me, I would be honored and humbled. I am just a Bitcoin plebe <laughs> and it would be cool, you know? Yeah. So I would be excited. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, just to, uh, I guess at this point, maybe we'll, uh, you know. We'll- Can I tell your people just like the next few things we got coming up for someone? Oh, please do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah? Okay. I don't, yeah. I'm not, haven't just started doing podcasts again. So I'm just trying to let people know what's up. So, oh, awesome. Yes, please. Uh so yeah, so obviously we we launched uh, March thirtieth, and it's just you know weekly or paycheck or monthly automatic stacking, and it's only fund- funding through ACH. Uh, we are very quickly adding a bunch of things over the next month or two. So we'll be adding um, basically one-time buys uh, and kind of like accelerated buy programs where you can say like, hey, I've got this chunk of cash that I took out of my four hundred one k or you know got a payout of whatever. And I want to put this to work pretty quickly. And we'll just, you know, basically let you say, you know, I want to put that in as soon as it funds, just buy it immediately. Or I want to do that over five days, or I want to do that over three weeks or whatever it is, you'll be able to schedule out, you know, how, how many buys you want to split that chunk into and essentially do like kind of like an accelerated uh, DCA allocation with a chunk of fiat, kind of like a, just the kind of same way that, uh, you know, a broker would help you dollar cost average into a stock or something like that. Um, and again, and, and we'll be launching daily buys. So not just weekly, you'll be able to sign up for uh, daily purchases nice. uh, seven days a week. So that'll be pretty cool. Uh, we're also going to add entity accounts. So you've only been able to do uh, individual accounts with your own name so far. And basically what that lets you do is uh, the checkbook LLC IRA thing. So you can do uh, self-custody of Bitcoin buying through Swan and, and put it in an IRA. Um, so that's awesome. going to be pretty cool. Yeah. So when you can, when you combine, uh, you know, being able to do these large uh, and no limits anymore either, because wires don't have limits. We have a limit of 4,900 on the ACH. Um, you might be muted by the way. Maybe that's intentional because you're typing, <laughs> but uh, that's fine. Uh, not hearing your exclamations of joy, but I, I can see your face and you're super excited. <laughs> can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Oh, okay, but cool. yeah, so we have we have no we have no <laughs> upper limit on wires. So you'll be able to like wire us a million bucks if you are that kind of G 
and uh, and we'll dole that out into Bitcoin uh, however you want us to. Um, so I think that's really exciting. It's kind of the next leg up. We've proven that there's this appetite for you know buying Bitcoin through Swan, and people love the lowest fees in the U.S. for automatic recurring purchases. And we got the automatic withdrawals turned on a couple months ago, and people love that. And uh, I'm just excited to be able to serve uh, you know more people for more of that, what they want. I know you and I have a lot of mutual connections that have said, as soon as you guys add one-time purchases and daily, yep. I'm in. Well, you know what? We know who you are. <laughs> I can search for you on Twitter and and Telegram. I'll find you and uh, and you're coming over to Swan as soon as we turn those two things on. That is that is awesome. And um, yeah, so just so you know, I, uh, I actually, everything you, when you're talking, I type out the notes. So... <laughs> So I do apologize for that. <laughs> but, no problem, man. <laughs> uh, but that is but that is awesome, and I'm super excited. As you know, I'm I'm a you know I'm a Swan Bitcoin customer, and um, I'm excited for the daily purchases because for me this is the uh, that was the only piece that I I couldn't do yet. So I'm yep. excited. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> coming very soon. Um, yeah, I mean we 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 choked on a giant. We're like a big snake that choked on a giant deer like two months ago. Uh, when the price spiked and uh, and Max Kaiser went on some big media shows and shilled Swan, and it so happened to be like three days after we were dealing with a bunch of fraud rings, and oh, uh, and so basically we were like redoing our whole like you know fraud prevention thing and installing all these new tools to detect fraud at the same time as dealing with like you know ten to twenty x daily volume of signups at the exact same time. So yeah, we got through all of that and everything's clean now and everybody's getting onboarded, you know, fast and as they should again. And that's actually about to get way, way faster, but um, we'll just, we'll announce that when it comes to it. Um, so yeah, I'm excited, man. I think, uh, you know, we talked, we started off saying like, kind of sucks that Bitcoin's been going sideways, but uh, you know, selfishly for Swan, it's been amazing because, you know, we got live and then you figure out everything that needs to be fixed and then you spend, you know, a couple months fixing it and we're almost at the end of that so basically as of you know for swans purposes it's totally cool if on like august 15th ish if bitcoin wants to go to like 14 15k <laughs> like mid-august like we're totally good with that so whales if you're listening and like you were worried about like swan being able to handle like increased demand like give us another like three weeks or so and then like sure rocket to the moon all good i like it i like it yeah, I can definitely go for uh, you know kind of an end of summer pump. That that would that would be nice. Yeah, definitely like right. to see that. You know, me too. Um, cool. Anything uh, anything else you want to throw down? Um, I don't know. I mean, if you want to check it out, like SwanBitcoin.com/slash/CoinIcarus, I believe oh. is the best way to buy Bitcoin, right? Yeah, it's def it definitely is. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're so funny. Yeah, I love it. That's the way to go. Um. Yeah, man. I don't know. It's a, uh, it's it's a it's a weird time, but I also feel like this whole lockdown weirdness will. We humans are very very good at rationalizing anything that's happened in our past, and making things that were painful seem very small and very short. And I don't know how long this will last. Like I think it, I think life will be weird and very volatile through November, yep. just through the elections. And there's a lot of things that are going to get papered over until then, just with money printing. And then I don't know what the fuck is going to happen 
over the winter with, you know, maybe COVID round, whatever it is, two or three or whatever, back in full swing. I have no confidence in, we don't have a SARS vaccine, a cold vaccine or a flu vaccine that works. Oh, like why would I expect that they would magically come up with something that is now six strains? And, you know, it's just like, so whatever, I, I'm pretty sure that we're all just going to like have COVID every once in a while. And like, some of us will die and like, that's just the new normal and like, whatever, who cares? Um, yeah. But it, it seems scary thinking about that future. But when we look back on it from like 2024, 2025, and it's just normal, we won't really think about it anymore. Yeah. So that's what I try to say, like to, to friends or like nieces or nephews or like, you know, my wife that gets worried sometimes, you know, just try to explain like, this is all just going to kind of seem like we humans are the best machines at rationalizing things that have happened in the past Oh yeah, for good and for bad. But this, in this case, it will be very good that our, our mental and genetic makeup gives us that skill to be able to handle this weirdness that we're going through. Oh, you're absolutely right. You know, it, it's like, uh, not only do we rationalize, but we also manage to create patterns as well. You know, mm -hmm. we always find a pattern in something that has no patterns. So it's just, it's so weird. And, and you're absolutely right. I, I look forward to the day that this is a blip, that I, I think of it as a blip, you know? Bro, I'll, I'll see you there uh, <laughs> in, a, in a citadel called Bright Orange Future. And, uh, and we'll high five when you walk in. I would live there. I would totally live there, Corey. Totally. I love the name. I love totally. it. Totally. Okay, you got to make gonna, it. It's still. It's going to be in Southern California. That's okay. But the tax. <laughs> but the taxes here by then are going to be like four percent instead of thirty-seven. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's part of the bright orange future. Now that is irresponsible, mar irresponsible <laughs> marketing of Southern California because that shit is never going to happen. <laughs> well, so then people shouldn't take that as investment advice. But the bright orange no. future, that they can think it's, about. It's happening. That's it's right. It's happening, and it's it's full of opportunity because there will be great things and broken things, and the broken things are going to be the ones that uh, that we need to solve. So, agree. Bitcoin Bitcoin fixes this, but it's going to break a lot of things that need to be broken, and we're going to have to remake those things. Yeah. Better. Anyway. Totally. All right, agree. I'm out. All right, my friend. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. <laughs> Thank you. Talk soon. Talk soon. As always, all details will be in the show notes. I hope you guys enjoyed my chat with Corey. Um, his contact details will be there as well. And of course, if you want to reach me by Twitter or Telegram, I am at CoinIcarus. If you want to shoot me an email, I am at CoinIcarus. I'm CoinIcarus at funwithbitcoin.com. Thank you all for listening, and I'll catch you all next time. <laughs>